don't need a high-end designer or a lot of money to get a luxe look. Be your own interior designer with big design, small budget. Here's your host, Betsy Helmuth. While I've unpacked all the boxes months ago, I'm still not sure about this big move. My husband and I moved all the way from Brooklyn out here to Westchester, and we're adjusting. I'm not sure about the area exactly. I'm definitely not sure about the commute because it is different. The lifestyle is really something that we're acclimating to, and certainly the takeout choices have been mildly devastating. Now I have to cook. But, um, but the one thing I am sure about is I am sure about our house. We really feel at home here in our cozy little home. And that's made all the difference. That's made a really unsure and fairly big move for us feel comfortable and feel exciting and at the end of the day feel worth it. And that's what we're talking about today. Today's episode is new house, new issues, because it's so exciting to make this fresh start. And at the same time, you're learning things about your new partner, this new home, how to make it work, all of its little quirks. You haven't been with it for four seasons. And so you're learning what's drafty in the winter, what's too sunny in the summer. Does this air conditioner really cool the house? So we're learning along with you, and today I'm answering your questions about moving to a new house. First things first, let me give you a few tips that I have for moving to a new house. Now, these are just strategies that helped keep me sane during every single move, whether we were moving from an apartment to a different apartment in Brooklyn or now from an apartment in Brooklyn to a house in Dobbs Ferry. I have some strategies that I use with every single move that help to keep me sane. The first one is that I make it my home immediately. Especially with kids and pets, you need that comfortable home base or else they feel very unsettled and start to act a little naughty. So I really think if you can afford to do it, if you have the luxury to, you need to take one to two weeks off of work. Now that's only one of you, both of you, if there's two of you moving, don't need to do that. But it can make a big difference to set those systems in stone. In other words, before I moved my family to this house, I came up here with my label maker and my handyman and I assembled all the shelving. I organized all the closets. This is where the bedding goes. This is where the towels go. This is where mom's lotions go. This is where dad's lotions go. Literally. I like made labels on baskets for dad's lotions and mom's lotions. And the reason is because I wanted it to be very clear. If you don't set those strategies from the start, even if later they need to change because you find you're living in the house a little bit differently than you thought. But if you don't set those strategies from the start, you can move in and perpetuate chaos for many, many months. And it's very hard when your life is taking over, when you suddenly have bills and you're back to work, to find time to set those strategies. And I know because there were two closets and one basement that I did not organize before I moved my family in and before I went back to work. So I managed to get everything else done, but these two closets in the basement, I was like, ah, no problem. I'll get to that later. And later has proven, five months later, 
to still not be a time that's in the near future. Life has gotten so crazy and we wound up just shoving things in there. And now I have to really carve out time in my schedule and it's much more inconvenient than if I just would have tackled it back before everybody was here and before life got to be life. The other thing that I think really helps is to create a cohesive vision of everything that you want in the house. So to really determine the style because a lot of my clients come to me after living in their house for months or years and say, you know, we weren't ready to buy everything because we were a little bit house poor, which I totally get. But now we've been buying little things over time as we see them, as they're on sale, and we don't have a cohesive look because we've just been buying as we can afford rather than starting with that strategy. So I highly recommend creating a spreadsheet of everything that you want to buy, even if it's the exact link, creating that color palette from the outset, choosing that inspiration item, which you guys know from my other podcasts in my book, choosing that inspiration item from each room so that way you can draw the color palette and really stick closely to those choices that you've predetermined. Even if you can't buy it all at once, you know what you're looking for and you know what you're not looking for. So you don't wind up with just this big house filled with random things that don't have a clear vision because you bought them as you could rather than starting with that clear vision, still buying them as you could, but knowing exactly what you were going to buy in the future. So if you can, I really subscribe by the way that I work with both my total overhaul clients and myself, which was to create that spreadsheet right away before I moved in of everything I was going to buy and then buying it all in one day. The day that we had the closing and the house was ours, I bought every single item on that spreadsheet. Easier said than done depending on your budget. And then it all arrived and I spent those two weeks organizing and putting everything together with the team of handymen that I brought up. And sure, it was expensive. Sure, it put me behind in work. But the good start that it's given us, the fact that we live in a fully furnished home that feels cozy even though our life feels a little bit out of whack and uncomfortable due to all these new variables and new area, it's been invaluable for both my children's mental health and mine and my husband's. And it's also really fun to immediately be able to see your friends and entertain. That's kind of a feeling from home that we could immediately say, friends from Brooklyn, come see us. And there was no shame that we didn't have anything in our home or anything for people to sit on. So if you have that luxury to put aside a chunk of money and just furnish it right away, I highly believe that you should do that even if it means calling a professional like affordable interior design no pressure and having us outline that entire shopping list for you it really makes a lot of sense and can save a lot of money in the long run the other thing that i really believe you should do is you should think in five-year chunks so i am not a fan of buying legacy furniture one or two pieces sure but certainly if you are at the stage of your life where you have kids or maybe having kids it's just not the time to buy a couch that you don't want them to spill juice on if you have pets it's just not the time to buy a rug that you want to pass down to future generations or last you 20 years i mean the thing is going to get soiled let's keep it real and also it can be really 
I was going to say nervous making because I just saw that on Downton Abbey last night. It can be very nervous making to think about buying something that you have to live with for 10, 15, 20 years now that you've bought your new house that you hope to keep for that long. So don't think that far ahead. Think in five-year chunks. I think a couch should only really last you five to ten years and if you have kids or naughty pets, it should be the lower end of that five to ten. And in terms of wall paint, you know, it's going to fade. It's going to get fingerprints. Five to seven year plan, man. Uh, and if you're thinking about the rugs, again, lower end, five year. I'm a big spiller. I'm a big dropper and certainly my family is too. So don't feel like you need to commit hardcore to a lot of these larger pieces. Now, in a master bedroom, I feel like you could commit more because it gets less wear and tear. So those might be pieces you want to splurge on and think about having that extra longevity in terms of a dresser, nightstands, even a nice bed. But uh, sofa, rugs, I don't know, guys. Let's keep it affordable and let's not worry about anything past five years. The other day at Design and Wine Night, the first one that we've held in our new Dubsbury location, Somebody was saying, well, you're choosing a color palette now. Like maybe you really like red and yellow now, but don't you just change it out after you get bored? The answer is absolutely not. If I change things out every time I got bored, I would be broke. So no, what I do is I change things out every five to seven years when they're old or worn and then I really think about giving my house a little facelift and it takes the pressure off of me having to look around constantly for new things that excite me and also it takes the pressure off my wallet let's just keep it real so now let's get to my listener questions the first one comes from Tina Tina I'm gonna read your email Betsy I love your podcast Gee, thanks, Tina. It's been amazingly helpful in figuring out how to design my own house. We recently bought a house and had our third baby at the same time. Okay, well, that was a year ago. Uh, She just kept it real. I love that, Tina. So decorating is going slowly, and we're trying to figure out stuff as we go. I have questions about coordinating rugs with other things. Our floors are all dark brown laminate and living rooms, not bedrooms. So I'm thinking we need a lighter colored rug to keep the room from being too bogged down. My biggest problem is our great hall, which is 400 square feet total and includes the dining room and living room with a three-panel patio door that opens to the backyard. The room is a big rectangle, with the long side containing the patio door, as I mentioned. The room is terribly cold, literally. It's an addition, and it's sitting on a concrete slab, and the heat doesn't really work well in that room. I think that even though I've tried to resist it, we need a rug in the dining room. We have a rug in the living room. It's not really visible from the dining room because the couch is dividing the space. We do have three kids and I know a light colored dining room is a terrible idea, but what are the rules here? Do I need to match the living room rug? Can I go with a similar color and neutral pattern for the dining room rug? I am trying to keep a grayish base with pops of color for the great hall as a whole for cohesiveness, but I'm kind of lost. I'm not totally attached to the living room rug as I can move it to our front room if I need to. Can you help me? Thanks so much, Tina. Of course I can help you, Tina. It's what I do. So first things first, thanks for being a listener and a fan. Second thing is, yes, this is the same room. You're kind of calling it the great room, if you will, this living dining area. And because it's the same room, it does need to share a cohesive color palette. That being said, I'm not sure this gray way is the way to go. Because you've mentioned that this room is very cold temperature-wise. And gray is a cold color. So it's exacerbating that frigidness, which I just think doesn't feel cozy at all based on this description. 
Hopefully the pops of color that you're adding in are warm ones. In other words, reds, yellows, oranges, because if they're blues and purples and grays, it's really chilly down there just from your description and I'm not even feeling the cold. So the next thing is should you have a rug under your dining table with three kids? Yes, you should. First of all, I hope that you have a dog because I have a dog and basically it is my, he is my little Roomba. He eats everything and keeps my rug so tidy. What would I do without my dog? So if you don't have a dog, think about getting one. And if you've already thought about getting one and it's not going to happen with three kids, which I understand, then get a Roomba. Because you've probably heard my Room by Roomba episode where I expound upon all things amazing. Um, and I do have a girlfriend and her name is Roomba. And we are in a very committed relationship. Uh, okay, so I also think when incorporating a rug into the dining area with three kids... You should do something that's affordable and low pile. Something like floor tiles. I have floor tiles under my dining room table and they are amazing. I don't love them everywhere. I don't love them in a formal dining area. I don't love them in a formal living area. But in a dining area where you eat all the time, floor tiles, F-L-O-R dot com. Basically, they're these individual carpet squares that stick to each other with stickers so they don't mar the floor and they have a built-in rug pad. They're relatively low pile and if the worst should happen, if your little one should spill all the marinara on one of the tiles, you can just pop it out and replace it. They have a wide range of selection in terms of colors, patterns, and price points. Personally, I only buy the ones on sale because they can get to be a little bit pricey, but they're usually, even at their highest cost, not more expensive than an area rug. So look into those floor tiles and also go for something mid-tone with a pattern. Too light is going to go show every stain, but too dark is going to show every piece of lint, every hair, every, you know, everything as well. So go for something mid-tone, ideally with a pattern. Now, if you just want to get real personal, I went for a darkish red that doesn't have any pattern. It just has a texture. It was very affordable and it coordinates with my other items. But it goes against my general feeling, mid-tone pattern. And so I do find that I have to use the Roomba a lot because it really shows a lot of issues. But that's the reason I got my Roomba and I don't have any regrets with going for my darker carpet. Um, and I think it looks beautiful against my darker floors and does not feel bogged down, just FYI. The other thing, since it feels so cold, and I know you didn't ask about this, but I'm just going to tell you, is that I think you need some drapery. Now, hopefully you already have drapery, but I even put drapery on a patio door as long as it somewhat resembles a window in terms of having glass and panes. I think that could make a world of difference in these colder feeling spaces. My home is very old, a little bit drafty. I have thermal drapes on every single window. And not only is it visually cozy, it helps to keep that draft out. And it looks really nice. And of course, pops of warm color like yellow or red drapes would really help your cause. So I hope that's helped, Tina, because it was a pleasure answering your question. And keep them coming if you have them, because as a new homeowner, I'm excited for you. 
well, there must be a lot of you moving this time of year because I've gotten a lot of new homeowner questions and unfortunately this episode is already running a little long, so it looks like I'll have to divide it into a two-parter. So stay tuned next Tuesday when we will have part two of New House, New Issues. I have a lot more exciting answers to your wonderful questions. In the meanwhile... Thanks so much to my wonderful podcast producer, Catherine Heller, to Aton and the Embassy, our house band, and finally to Affordable Interior Design. Whether you're in Westchester or in New York City, we would love to help you out with budget-friendly designs to make your home beautiful and still stay within your means. Thanks so much. Until next week, I'm Betsy Helmuth. Bye. Walking the streets like a dog